Hello guys and welcome to episode 45 of the Worldwide Shells pod. Uh, it's your host Matt Ball at MattJBall98. Uh, finally, we can talk about a nice refreshing win for once. I think we haven't done a pod of a Chelsea win in absolute ages. So first of all, I'll tell you our guests. So we've got first Marv, how are you doing my friend? I'm doing well my friend, basking in the summer nights we've won. The World Cup, it's beautiful. Let's go. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't put it that that far, but um, more like a training match. But Jared, how are you doing? Uh, well, I'm I, I'm in Texas, looking at about eight inches of snow. Oh, that's that's nice for some. I mean, that that that, that, that global warming is falling quick from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh god don't, don't get us started on politics and climate change right now so i'm just i had to say it man because it's it's snowing like i've never seen in texas you might get removed from twitter brother stop oh no <laughs> oh god anyway so we'll get started on um morgan game one four nil was a good game in a way but again as i said Basically, a training match couldn't really take much more from that than you would. Um, Jared, what was your overall thoughts of the game? Again, it's a training match, and you don't. What what this match type of match will tell you is, and the only thing it would have told you is if Frank was going to stay long, you know, through the season, or if he was on the fast track out. Um, you're not going to say. Whoa, these players are so informed because they beat Markham. Or they played so well, they got to play again against Fulham because it's Markham. You have to understand it was a glorified training session, but we did the job. And that's what you can say. We did the job. We did what we were supposed to do. The people we wanted to score and look lively, they did. So, you know, thumbs up. Yeah, I think it, it, you, couldn't really take much from the game because it is a league for a league two team division four can you really take much these players an average performance would be a poor performance in my opinion against a team like this and i think the result it's what you'd expect possibly people would say you'd want more from the result marv what do you think well, yeah, I mean, I, I predicted two, two or three nil, so I was one goal out. Um, I mean, me personally, I'm trying to stay positive because it's on the pod, and I know it's good for people to listen to positive information. Uh, but you know, this game was a was a, a slam dunk before it even kicked off, no matter who played. So I don't think it really changes anything. I'm I'm still annoyed. I still haven't gotten over those poor recent performances. Um, I don't think this changes anything at all. It's nice to still be in the cup. I really care about the FA Cup. For me, this is my favourite cup competition because it's the first thing I ever saw Chelsea win. Uh, so, yeah, great that we won the game. Good to see that Havertz, Werner and, and Cho got on the, the score sheet. So certain players we needed to score. Um, but I don't think we take too much from the game, yeah, in, in that sense. The next game with Fulham, I think, is much of the same. I think we might scrape it and win. Uh, but again, it doesn't change anything. There's a lot of, of stuff that needs to be fixed. Uh and I don't know, um, there were some people on Twitter saying they've got no, they're not interested in, in watching the games and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't think that's kind of true for, for, for me in that sense. But at the same time, there is something missing at the moment and uh, it's going to take a bit of a while to fix it. I always feel, you know, 
even if we, we're not to get up in the top two or win the league or whatever, not winning against any rivals really leaves a sour taste. The Arsenal game, I mean, we'd lost to them in the FA Cup. We were biting our, you know, biting our nails to get that match again to kick their ass and to show them who's boss, and we got embarrassed. So that still hasn't left my mind yet. Yeah, I think with the run we've got now, it's hard to say that if we beat Fulham, if we beat Leicester, if we beat Morecambe, is that something we can go, oh, Frank Lampard's back? I Personally, I don't think it is. I think he needs to get maximum points from each of these games to just keep people happy and then go into this horrible period of where we've got Atletico Madrid twice, Manchester United, Liverpool, Leeds. That period of the season is going to be the season that I've the period of the season that breaks Lampard or makes him as world class or a great manager for Chelsea. Um so moving on just to some of the key performers. Um Callum Hudson had always been again dividing people on Twitter as usual. Uh generally he's played quite well over the last four games coming on in matches where everyone's playing absolutely terrible and he's actually just bringing at least something to the game and then um the game he started against Villa again played really well until about 60th minute when he come off but hasn't played a lot of games you can understand he starts get not starts getting tired a little bit and then again today uh got got his goal played very well what do you guys think I know you guys some would say you have an agenda but I'm not going to pull it that far. Um, Marv, what do you think? Well, I mean, I say the same thing every time. I don't have an agenda on anything apart from slandering and hating Man United. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that, yeah, I've been pretty consistent since the injury that I don't think hudson Adoy is good enough for this level or at least good enough for Chelsea to be winning things. At the same time, I hope that I'm wrong because if I'm wrong and he plays well and he does well, then we win and everyone wins. That's as deep as it goes for me. Um, I watched um, his performance. I've also recapped on a highlight because I missed a lot of the first half, so I had to go watch it before we started the pod. Um, yeah, he did okay. scored a good goal. Um, although, that being said, his control wasn't fantastic for the goal against a proper team that gets taken away from him whilst he tries to control it. But yeah, he played well. A few instances of what I always see, though, gets to the final third, passes the ball straight to the opposition defence, a couple of wasted crosses. Um, I think in the way that he plays, you cannot be that wasteful in a big game. Um, he doesn't take his man on enough. He did a bit. Um, good goal. Or, I mean, if we're, if we're kind of being really deep with this analysis, he played well. Definitely wasn't the best player in the game. Definitely not. But I think he played well. And But I, I think the, the fanfare over him, he, he plays a half good game and then apparently he's got to start, in, start every match. Um, one thing, I do think we need to give him a run of games because for me, I mean, the season is almost gone. Um, so I do, I would suggest giving him a run of games, giving him that chance to see if he can build on it. But for me, there is a long way to go for him and I'm not sure that he can walk that path. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you've got two ends of the spectrum on Twitter. You've got the people who think Cho is the next best thing. They compare him to the likes of Foden, Saka, Martinelli, Mbappe at some points, which at times I think is a bit ludicrous. I think no, personally, no. I think he's he's had some good games, and I think this is the start of something that could be rosy, but he's still got to prove. He has, yes, he has improved. 
on his defensive side of the game. He's tracking back a lot more and he is starting to get a little bit sharper. But there is still a lot to improve on, I think. Again, he's a youngster and I'll give him time. At least I'm seeing something which gives me a little bit of hope. Whereas in the summer, I really wasn't sure whether that was even there. Um, so again, as you said, I, I wouldn't, in terms of my opinion on whether he starts or not, I wouldn't be, if Ziek isn't completely fit and can't play 90 minutes still, and he's, he looks okay at parts today, but at times he didn't look fantastic. He grew into the game a little bit, but if Ziek's still not fantastic, I don't, I'm not against Cho and Pulisic starting either side and Get, as you said, as you said, getting a run of games. Jared, what was your take on his performance? Are you going to make me go uh, full Family Guy here? And uh, Peter Griffin. And you know what really grinds my gears is fans that think that just because somebody came out of Cobham, that they're the best thing since sliced bread. So. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi is a year behind where he should be because he had an injury. He tore his Achilles tendon. That injury alone takes one year to get back physically to where you were when you had the injury. Okay? So, and he's had niggles since because of the Achilles. So when you have a major injury, a muscular injury like that, or a tendon, or a ligament, your body compensates. And so you end up with different injuries that are in the same leg or the different leg because you're compensating, not because you're trying to, but your body does it naturally. Okay, same thing with Christian. He he had a torn adductor, and everything since has been because of the torn adductor. Okay. So that being said, he is a year from what he should be at this point. Okay? Give him some time to develop. You can see that he's got potential. You can see that there's something there. But he's not a finished he's not the finished item. He's not somebody you're going to put in the lineup day after day and say go get me a championship. Not going to do that for you right now. So the best thing for him is to get 30 minutes in a game where there's nothing left to play for, a la Man City. Gets a goal, brings that confidence. Good goal, don't take anything away from him. A meaningless goal. We lost the game. It was over. But that's the way to play him, to build back confidence, to let him play free. He doesn't have the pressure of, oh, i got to go do something to win this game. You don't do that with him. You you work him in. You spot start him. You give him cup games. You you bring him in 30 minutes and let him build his confidence. Let him build his game. If you throw him out there and he has a uh, bad run of form, what do you think is going to happen on a football Twitter? He's going to get he's going to get destroyed like they destroyed him before. Just let it be. Let him be a good player that's developing. And leave it at that. Yeah, I think... Well, in terms of what you're saying about the injuries, you're in terms of how uh, the degree I work at, you're 100% right. 
it's scientifically fact that if you get a major inj- injury, you will compensate in not just legs up into the back, anywhere in, in the body. So in terms of that, you're completely correct. And I'd argue a year is being a bit, <laughs> I'd say it takes even longer than a year sometimes, especially if you're thinking of someone like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who was out for over a year just with the injury. So I think for him, I'm worried. Ruben, in terms of Ruben, I don't think he'll ever come back from it properly, in my opinion. But I think Callum is young and he's got that time to go back. But I think we just need to give him that time, not put the pressure on him that he's the next big thing. He's still really young. He still needs to develop. Maybe he won't make it, but you've just got to give him that time and that lack of pressure. He's not He's not a, not going to be a first-team starter for three, four years, in my opinion, in terms of the top level, he's not ready for that. But in three to four years, with his development, and especially the year of development he's lost, you've got to give him that time. And if he maybe he has to go out on loan to a German club or a French club or another Premier League club to get some game time to build that. But you've just got to give him the time. I think that is the problem with every youth player, not just Hudson Odoi, maybe Abraham, Mount, even Billy Gilmore to an aspect. Everyone bigs them up to be this colossus, next big thing, the next fucking Meza Ozil, the next Ronaldo, the next Messi, the next Mbappe, whatever. But they're going to, at some point, not meet your expectations, and then that's just going to involve them getting hate, and then you're going to destroy the player. And I think we just need to let these youth players develop in the way they should. And if they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. But we can't rely on our whole team being straight out of Cobham. You've got to blend the two. Um, So to move on to next topic, some of the players we bought, Werner and Havertz, what did you think of their performance, Marv? Uh, Well, I think um, they were both pretty good today. I don't know what happened with Werner because I was defending him all the time um, against, you know, when he missed those open goals and we were still winning games. So it wasn't really costing us anything. Um, Wasn't, was really bad in recent games. And um, Havertz, I think, was great. I mean, he scored two goals. I mean, you can't really, can't really argue with that, can you? I mean, and he also, he is header across goals, isn't it, for the um, one for Timo's goal? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I mean, they both played well. Um, and let, let's hope they'll build and again it's only Morecambe so it's like training but I'm expecting I'm always saying I expect a lot more from Havertz and, and I'm hoping I'm going to get some uh, in the second half of the season whilst the season is still just about hanging bot from a thread um, but yeah no they both played well I'm happy for that I'm a big <clears throat> fan of Werner and I've seen when uh, Timo played I think I'm not sure which game it was maybe it was the Arsenal game City game don't remember where he got subbed off at half time I think it might have been the Arsenal one um, yeah and he, um literally was doing exactly what I did when I'm I was without confidence I was playing in a really good team and uh like you just sometimes you just not believing that you belong and I did the same thing I played like a three yard pass straight to the opposite side and that pressure is there and you, you've got to find a way to get out of that especially at this level I mean like you're at the highest level you've got to prove you belong if you look and uh, for him he's just got to look at what he did in some of the early games I mean he carried us in the first game against Brighton um, against Southampton, who is absolutely unbelievable. Um, I mean, he's played some brilliant games, so he needs to get that back, and he needs to get it back fast. I don't know if it's been hindered by the fact he's been shoved out wide. I don't really know. 
because, you know, for Leipzig, you might have played in a similar role, bit more inverted left side attack coming into the striker role. Uh, I'm not sure if that plays a part on it or the fact that <clears throat> he's played so many games. I'm not really sure, but I think that's something from a coaching point of view we've got to also improve. But yeah, in terms of today, I think they both played well. Yeah, I think with uh, Werner, it was, um, I said in the chat, he was, he, st- at first, he wasn't playing fantastic he wasn't really getting much of the ball and i was i put in the chat i was why is Werner playing in this sort of game it's not his game lampard should have not started him in the first place because he's not getting the space literally two minutes later scores so kind of shut me up a little bit so maybe i learn not to say things too soon um but yeah he i think after his goal, he improved. You could see the confidence just go up, and he started trying a lot harder. And you started seeing more of the Werner of, from at the beginning of the season. But I think with Werner, you struggle to. You see players that they don't understand his runs yet still, and I think players need to improve on that outside of Werner. And then, I think Werner does need to try and mould his game a little bit to go All right. You don't know how I roll, so maybe I can try and change my game a little bit to help you guys out uh in terms of Havertz I think again didn't start off fantastic it was a bit ordinary at first but I think grew into the game and then was showing stuff that I want to see more I think but again this is Morecub so I don't I'd expect this at the minimum so we'll see how they do in the next few games Jared what was your opinion much the same um you know, everybody's looking for the silver bullet on why this is why the, the players are playing like this. I don't think there's a silver bullet. There's not one thing that's the cause of this. It's 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 a it's a myriad of things, and people would call them excuses or or what have you. But the very first thing is you you bring in this amount of players and have no preseason. Your season is your preseason, and so that that's one of the things. Two injuries. Inconsistent lineup, inconsistent positioning on 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 what position you're going to play. You know, if you look at the top teams, every you know most of the top teams that you know starting eleven is going to be. You know what position they're going to be playing, and it's a surprise if it's not that way. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows how many runs of games we've had the exact same lineup out there. I would love to know. How many games in a row have we had the exact same lineup start? I'd probably argue zero. So there's there's, there's another issue because 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 players don't they they have to have the time put the time in to understand. Okay, Timo's going to make this this run in this situation, or he likes to make this run. Let me look for him there. Or Havertz likes to do, you know, it's just a way to integrate everybody together. You have to play together. You have to get, you know, the the buzzword, you have to get chemistry with with each other. And that's sorely lacking. Um, Put that together with players playing in some unfamiliar positions. You get what you get. You get a very inconsistent team where through one run of form, they look unbeatable through another room. Uh, run a form you want to sack the manager that's what you're going to get when you throw all this together you're not going to get 
a, a very stable team and you're not going to get consistent performances. So for me, positives, you know, it's, it's, it's like a shooter in basketball. They can be on a bad form. You get them, you get them a couple of free throws and they, they watch the ball go into the basket and then they're just knocking everything in. It's the same thing with goal scores. They get one to go in the back of the net. Oh, I remember this now. Let's go. Timo will pick up, and it will be more because it's, it, the, the team understands how to play with him. And I don't think we're there yet at all. Yeah, I think there's some aspects that I I understand. I think I agree with. I think we've had a lot of unnecessary injuries and we haven't seen our team that we want on the starting lineup. I'd argue we haven't seen it. We've seen it once, twice maybe, and within a period of 10 games of it being messed up again. Marv, what do you think of Jared's points? Well, actually, I think he raises a really good point there. I, I, there was nothing there that I would disagree with. I think, yeah, you've got to get those runner games. I, I didn't get to see, because uh, obviously it's the game started at 6.30 for me, so I didn't see the reaction to the lineup and stuff like that. But I guess it was more of the same with people complaining. But, you know, you have to play. That's one thing I really respect about uh, Manchester City. Uh, don't want to get accused of being a City fan. Um, but when they played a League Cup games, they put out a strong lineup, and we're all like, oh, come on, they're playing a strong lineup, but they've won it the last three freaking years in a row. Um, so, you know, uh, I think we, we kind of had to do that because it's, and I'm going back to a previous point that Jared made. I agree. It seems like if you're an academy player, and I like the academy players too, I'm a Chelsea fan for God's sake, but, you know, there seems to be more allowance for those players. I might be going off topic a bit, much more allowance for those players to have bad games. And, and it's something I don't really like. You should be judging every player equally, not depending on any other external factors apart from how they play and how they play now. And um, I'd I, I have to say about the basketball relevance, I think that's true. The second like Timo knocks one in, I think, and he knocks another one in, boom, it, it changes everything. You know, I think that would have happened. Had he not like kind of flicked that, what was, what was the game where he kind of cleared the ball instead of scoring it and he hit the bar? Was it Leeds? I don't remember. I can't remember. I think you're you're in the right time frame, though. Yeah, I yeah. think it was Leeds. And, you know, eventually, you know, if that had gone in, I think the same he'd have gone on a run and scored. I mean, he'd really started well. And I think now Havertz scored a few. I think when we're talking about Havertz, he normally has a much better second season, doesn't he? So a second season for a second half of the season. Um, and he scored two today by doing what I think he probably does best, which is get in the box. And he gets in the box, I feel like he can score. So he's got the height advantage. He's good at getting the snapshots off. Much better than him starting from deep, which I just don't get. For me, that's not the kind of game that he plays. I know he likes to prefer to operate from the right side of the pitch. Um, but definitely, I feel like hopefully we've got to kind of play more to the strengths of these players. But I do agree with uh, Jared's point, yeah. Yeah, I think um, in terms of, I think, both, we've got a lot of players that we need to mould into one team, I think. The struggle is finding the balance, and I think still Lampard has not found that yet. I think certain players need to play with each other just to get that gel, find out how each other play. Because I, I think Tammy said it in an interview that the team is still adapting to how 
the new players are playing. There's so many new players in the squad that it, they are. I think the players are acknowledging it, they are finding it hard to adapt, which I understand. I think you haven't got a preseason. I know everyone says, oh, but everyone hasn't had a preseason, but I'd make the point, well, which other team has six new players in their starting lineup? It's none of them, so that is a bit invalid. So there's different points that affect different teams differently. Um, so I think it's going to be something we're going to have to try and solve as quickly as we can because, as you can see, it is kind of ruining the season a little bit. And I think the FA Cup, we have to go all out. I think there was a lot of people having a moan that certain youth players weren't playing. I personally thought the only person that would get in would be Andrin in the starting lineup. So I was a little bit disappointed that Andrin didn't get in the starting lineup. But then again, I understand. Ziek needs the fitness. Kalamod's always been playing really well, so why keep him out? So I get the idea of Andrew being on the bench. Maybe he could have come on a bit quick uh, sooner, but again, you've got to get the main players playing because at the end of the day, Andrew isn't going to be important for the rest of the season. Pulisic is, Kalamod's is, Ziek is going to be. So you need to play the players that are going to get this season back on track. Now, going into another player that played, I'd say he had a quiet performance, but a good performance at the same time. And that would be Billy Gilmore. Um, Jared, what did you think of his performance? I like Billy. And I would like him even more if he was about uh, six inches taller. (laughs) He would be perfect if he was about six inches taller. We wouldn't be looking for a holding center defensive midfielder. We have one. Uh, the thing is, is do you, do you worry just like in Kante about the size against tall, big physical teams being, you, you, you can't replace height. You just can't replace it. It doesn't matter. Um, but he's fantastic. He is the only, really the only, uh, holding CDM we have on our roster that can pay, play in a solo formation. And everybody goes, well, we have N'Golo Kante on the, on the roster. He's not a holding CDM. He is a, C, a CDM that plays with a holding CDM. So he can go out and break up play and start counterattacks. That is not what Frank wants from his six. He wants his six to sit in the hole, start attacks, and funnel the ball back into the attack. The, the attacking side when it comes back out. Conte does not like to sit. He likes to move forward. He likes to attack. You cannot change his nature at this point. Eventually, in a game, he will move out of that position and leave the midfield wide open. And that's either one, by necessity, somebody gets beat, or two, it's just by nature. He wants to go win the ball. That's what he is. And by putting him as a holding CDM, yes, he can do the job, but you're retarding what makes N'Golo Conte great, which is the pressure, the running, the nonstop action. You're taking that away from him. So to me, Gilmore, again, if he, was, if he was, had more experience, if he was a little bit taller, start him every week. Uh, but you can't do that to somebody who's just coming off an injury and is that young and lacks some of the physicality that you want in that position. You just can't start him every week against every big team. 
yeah, I think he had a very good performance. I think whenever I've seen Billy play, I think there's only been one performance where I thought he hasn't played that well. And I think that was the game where he did get injured with the knee injury. I can't remember who we were playing at the time. But, um, yeah, I think, as you said, I'd like him to be a bit taller, but I think the one thing Billy does have on his side is he uses his small physique well physically against big opponents. You do see him get stuck in, which does bring me a little bit more hope. But as you said, you can't... If I'd like him to be a few years older and a bit more experienced because I would, if he was older, I would play him in that DM. I'd play Kante as like the search and destroy number eight, but he's not a number eight at the same time. He comes deep and helps Billy out at times and starts counterattacks. And then you have Havertz just slightly forward, able to get in the box, a bit more of a, I wouldn't say a free roam, but able to do his thing. And I think that would be the balance we need, but we can't. So we play Kante at a DM, which doesn't work because he doesn't sit. And then you have the likes of Kovacic who do nothing for me or not much in the team. You have people like Jorginho that come in. I think Mount, he does okay. But at the moment, I don't think he starts in our team. And that's the problem we kind of have is fitting these players into this formation. Um, Marv, what did you think of Billy's performance? Well, actually, good point you've just raised, actually, because for me, he was the man of the match. And uh, every time he got the ball, he released it. You notice that sometimes the ball was played really slow uh, once or twice. And as soon as he got it, quick look, bang pass out wide, got a move going. I think he's actually... And if we're going by, you know, the academy players, I think we do overrate a lot of them. Um, I don't think that Billy Gilmore's one of them. Um, for me, I think he's brilliant. His weight of pass is fantastic. His vision is fantastic. He's quick with the feet to re- release the ball. He's great at playing in behind the lines. Um, for me, a good player, and I actually think, I mean, if we do send him out on loan, fine. But I actually think that this, I mean, he could compete for a place. And I don't want to go say, like, he's great and Georgina's bad. I'm not going to bash Georgina. Everyone does that. I mean, I, do, I don't think Georgina's quite where he needs to be. You said Kovacic don't do much. He's good at beating the press and driving forward a bit. But again, doesn't really offer anything behind the lines. Nothing against the loan block. And we need more than that, in my opinion. But for, yeah, for me, Gilmore, fantastic. He's one of the players I think we, I would like to see him play some more games. I mean, at this point, we've got nothing to lose. We're out the top four by a wide away. We need a run of win. I would actually play him against Fulham. And yeah, he is a bit weak on that side, not good for defensive type football. But that's where maybe Kante can come in. Or if we bring in a Declan Rice, I think he could fit in. Yeah, for me, it's, he's a very good player. And I think another great performance from him today. Yeah, I think in terms of the Kovacic point, I think, yeah, he does play well on the press, I think. But in terms of that number eight, I don't think he does enough in the creative sense to deserve the play in there ahead of certain players. I think I agree with you. I think out of all the young players, Mount, Abraham, I think Billy is probably going to be the best. I think he's the one that his ceiling is the highest. I think in my opinion, I don't want to, again, overgas the player. I think he is Scotland's best player at the moment. Easily. Still hasn't got the experience, but he'll grow into that. Um, Did Robertson play for Scotland? Andrew Robertson? Yeah, I forget. Robertson, maybe. Okay, second. Probably second or third best Scottish player, but yeah, we'll, we'll forget that I said that. But um, 
forgetting that Robertson's Scottish. I for some reason thought Robertson was Welsh, but we'll just leave that there. Um, but yeah, I think Billy, he's he, he, I think he suits whether we get Rice, Declan Rice in or not. I know there was a lot of rumours saying that Declan Rice has told his mates that he prefers to stay in London if he moves, so that kind of puts United out of the picture. Um, but I think even if Rice comes in, I think Billy can still play without going out on loan. So you move Kante further forward into that search and destroy role in the number eights, and then you bring Billy in. I think Ampadu, I'm sorry, you have to go out on loan or you have to go because I don't think you're... Again, he was playing... Who was Sheffield United playing in the FA Cup? Is it Crawley or someone? I can't remember who they were playing. Beat, I think Crawley beat Leeds. I think Sheffield United played... Who was it? It was, um, wasn't was a good team, but they won, didn't they? 3-2. Bristol. Bristol Rovers. Bristol Rovers. That, Bristol Rover, that and he, he still... He looked terrible in that game. And that's when I just looked and was like, really, what do we see in this player? And it's not like... He's a straight out of Cobham player because he used to he used to be at Exeter and we bought him from Exeter. So he's not even an actual Cobham player, but he's for some reason rated so highly. And I think he hasn't done what I'd want him to do. Yes, he's played a few good games for Wales, but he needs to do more for me. And for me, Billy is already above him. So I don't mind bringing in a Rice when you've got a Billy because they just complement each other when they play or not. I think we've got to give time to Ethan, though. Um, I mean, yeah, he's playing in a team where everyone is down. If you think about the uh, the game he played against Liverpool, he was really good. I think just when the overall confidence of the whole team goes down, um, that kind of happened to him as well, hasn't it? I, I don't think we should give up on Ampadu just yet. There are some games where he's looked really good, especially for Wales. Yeah, but I don't think he's at that level that we can say he's ready. I think he needs to go out on loan, and if he doesn't prove himself in the next year or two... I'm sorry, but you've you've had a loan. All right, you've had a you've, your loans so far haven't been the best, but you need to prove yourself at some point. Yeah, I think just because I do. Sorry, let Jared come in. Oh, when when was when when was he bought? Does he, can anybody tell me a, a year he was bought? I think it was Conte season. Okay, well that makes sense because guess what? He's pro, uh, prototypical of is a. Center back in a three, either a right or a left center back in a three. You can get away with not having the height and physicality in that position. You have more mobility and ball playing skills. So he's made to be a center back in a three, just like Tamori is made to be a center back in a three. Can play in a two, lacks some of the aerial abilities. Same with Rudiger. Rudiger's better in a three. We bought him to be in a three. Can play in a two. Better in a three. It's it's those things. It's when you switch managers so many times, you end up with players that don't fit the next manager's system, not only in the squad, but in the academy as well. Because the players in the academy are brought in based on what that's the system that the uh, the, the manager is playing. So you look for, for, for players that you could bring in to play in a three. Well, we don't do that anymore. So that's another thing about consistency in managers or at least a type. If you're not going to be consistent in your manager, at least be consistent in the formation and the way you want to play. So at least your entire squad and your academy mirrors that. Yeah, I think that's a 
that's a really good point that I haven't really thought about too much. I always looked at Ampadu and the criticisms I've got of him at the moment is he reminds me too much of Nathan Ake. And Nathan Ake had the same problem. People were like, oh, he can play at centre-back, but then he was not physical enough to play at centre-back. But then you could play at left-back, and then he wasn't fast enough or technically good enough to play at left-back, so he got shipped out. And then it's taken him a long time to grow into the player that he is now, which, yes, he's better, but I don't think Ampadu has... I not I, I I just don't believe Ampadu will have that capability to do what Ake done and go away and prove himself, mould himself into the centre-back that he can go to a team like Manchester City. I think Ake's been a bit lucky and fortunate that he's managed to fix up on his problems, I think. Ampadu in a back three, yes, I get that because he is. you can have that less physical defender on that left side. Um, and that's the problem, but I don't think we're going to go back to that, even if we sack Lampard. You look at the likes of Simeone, Nagelsmann, they're not going to play at three at the back. Or if Simeone does, it's, it'll be very rare. Um, so I, I just don't see... I don't see Ampadu fitting in a DM or centre-back role at the moment. I think we've got... This is where I go on to the Lampard discussion. We've got too many players that don't fit roles. And someone said to me about coming back on the Simeone debate, if we brung Simeone in, would certain of the attacking players not be up for his system? Which I understand there might be a couple of players that go, I came for this attacking style. If I'm going to play on the Simeone ball, I'm not going to stay. Ziyech could be in one of them. So I think we need to... Not sure about if we that. are, well, if you look at the interview, he said um, that he came in for the Lampard attacking style. So if he came in for a Simeone style, he said he plays football to enjoy it. So it you have that risk of if he doesn't enjoy the defensive football, is he going to want it? I mean, I've got a few things to question about that because um, when players come in, I mean, it's so many, so many times we've seen that. We saw, for example, Deco. Remember, Deco came in. And he uh, said, oh, I like, joined just because of Scolari. The next year, I mean, he won. the next year he was winning the Premier League of Ancelotti. I know it's a little bit of a different kind of comparison. But if we look at Simeone and the players he has had, how many players that have played has actually complained about Simeone's management style? Because I can't think of any, even the ones that struggled. Um, if we're looking at Griezmann, he played there for years. And I don't think Griezmann's that much of a good player, to be honest. And I think he, he was made to look brilliant there. So I don't think necessarily a defensive style means that creativity is stopped. I just think the style of play is slightly more controlled. I don't think that um, like someone like Ziyech would be kind of binned or not enjoy the game. I think with, with someone like Ziyech's uh, abilities, I think he could really do quite well in that kind of style of team. I mean, we say there are a lot of players say they joined for Lampard, but players know that managers don't last forever. Players are going to do their research there and see that Chelsea's a team when... I can't remember which manager has actually lasted three years in the last, since since Rome has taken over. Can we, apart from Mourinho, is there any? No. I mean, we're looking at like some of the players that have done. I mean, Felix, Jao Felix. I mean, he is having a great season right now. Uh, last season he struggled, but now is he or is he not a much more better all-round football player? Yeah, I agree. I think I just don't trust the board to bring in a manager that would again suit the new players Lampard brought in I don't I think Simeone I think is a bit of a weak argument um, when it got raised to me but 
I just like if you look at a Shevchenko or a Brendan Rogers, I think, or anyone else that suddenly gets named in Tuchel or whoever, I think you've got to just look at are we just going to throw more players into a system that now they don't fit into as much as they did? That's what happened with the likes of Ampadu. You could say Rudiger. I think Rudiger's tried his best to suit every system, but I think he has struggled over the last year. I think, obviously, Marv's going to come on and defend him. But I think he has... It's just you've got to play... You've got to, one, give a manager time if you believe in the manager. Obviously, there's limitations where you say, no, you're done. There's... You've gone too far below. But you've just got... Even if you have a manager you're going to sack, you need to bring in someone that's going to suit these players. I feel when you brought in Conte to Sari, that was a big mismatch of players that suddenly couldn't play a Con- Sari system because they're Conte players. And I think you've got to be a bit more aware of that. I don't think... I hope the board is more aware of that, but I'm not so sure. But do you not think that, sorry to let Jared hasn't spoken for a while, but do you, I mean, comparing that is quite interesting because you go from Conte, a world-class manager, to Sari, not a world-class manager. And I don't think that is the case here. I think if with Simeone, he is a world-class manager. I mean, if you look at like some of the players that Atleti have bought over the recent years, they have bought creative attacking players. Um, so I don't think like if he came to manage this team, that the team necessarily wouldn't be suited to him. It's not like when we had, for example... Juan Mata, Oscar, all these kind of players when Mourinho came back. Because that was kind of the not You know, he likes his athletic, strong players. And we didn't have an abundance of those. But I don't think that is the case in this one. I think we've got a quite a high-quality 11 now. We've got players. And I think someone like Simeone would come in. And I don't think he would struggle to put that team uh, together. I don't think so. I think it's not like when we go from someone to Sari who has a very, very set way of play. I'm not sure that is the case with Simeone. I think that there is obviously kind of like systems he likes to play, stuff like that. But I think the the general kind of uh, principles are are easily replicable uh, for a top manager than somebody. And I'm not disrespecting Sariad, but for me, he's not a world-class manager. He's a step below that. Yeah, but I just worry that we don't get, if we don't get Simeone, we go for a, Tuchel or somewhere like that, I feel like we're going to have the same problems. Yeah, big time, because Tuchel sucks. Mm. Uh, Jared, what do you think? I don't know (laughs) why we spent so much time on Simeone, because I don't ever think we're going to get him. Even if he's free, he's going to want big money to manage us. And I don't know if uh, that's going to be something that that we go ahead and do. Plus, I think there's there's better manager, up and coming managers that can grow with a team. Um, my favorite is Nagelsmann. I, I'm on the Nagelsmann hype train. Um, well, I was hyping him up big time in our group on Twitter, and uh, Erlen Holland had a master, one of his master classes, and Dortmund smashed him. But he's he's got probably the least talent in the top four in the Bundesliga right now. And so any success he has, it's because of the system he puts in place. And it's not just a system, it's the tweaks inside the system on how they're going to play from game to game, where they're going to attack, how they're going to attack. Right now, because our system doesn't look like that, because 
the, the, the players haven't digested the system in, to- in total anyway, so you can't make tweaks and different ways of playing inside that system until they learn the system properly. Uh, but no, I, I think uh, a Nagelsmann would be more realistic. Um, somebody that's young, is not so set in his ways. He, you know, Simeone's going to want to come in and do the same thing he did at Atletico. Because he knows that's, that's going to work. That's what he knows. That's what he likes. Uh, and I just think that, uh, I don't think that's an option we're going to go down. I just don't. So, yeah, I think it it's tough because I think, yes, I, I do like, out of all the other options, I do like Nagelsmann. But again, if he has bumps in the road like Lampard has, I don't trust our fan base to go give him time i feel if we're well, we're the type of fans that we will just throw him under the bus when it, the time comes to it which yeah. i think is the problem well I, I i don't make any decision based on what our fan base is going to do because most of them are deluded anyway i you know i hate to slate the people who are listening but there's there's just you cannot expect fifa performances every time a team goes out you just can't. This is not a video game. This is real life. There's real things going on in, in these players' lives and these coaches' lives, especially harder this year because of lockdown and and no fans in the stands. And people say, "Well, that's not a big deal. Everybody has that." Yeah, but players play better when there's people cheering them on. They they give that extra ten percent, maybe that they might not because there's not a fan on their butt going, "Hey, make that play." So. You know, I just think that some people are just unrealistic in what they want. Um, yes, I thought we would be title contenders based on I knew Liverpool would struggle this year because they weren't going to bring anybody in. They had depth issues already, and you can't keep playing the same players game after game for three straight seasons to think you're not going to have any injuries. It just doesn't happen. Um, I mean, we're on the flip side of that. Every five minutes, we have an injury. It's just, I think people need to understand that this is real life. This is not football manager. This is not FIFA or insert simulation, soccer or football simulation that you want. Not that. Real life. So I think that the people need to take a step back, take a deep breath. It's going to be what it's going to be. And this is what we need to roll with the rest of the season. And, and, uh, and get off of, we need to fire this person, this person needs to be sold. Yes, there are people in the squad that need to be sold. There are players that do not deserve to be here based on performance anymore. How are you going to sell them if nobody wants to buy? You know, it takes two. It takes a buyer and a seller to get a player out. So I think people need just to be more patient and understand this is not normal. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that, I think. We do need to have a little bit more patience. Yes, we have expectations and standards that managers need to uphold, but we need to give time to managers because I think, as I've said before, I think the main problem we're going to have is we're going to eventually cycle through a load enough managers and then we'll go to another sari again and then we're going to have this problem. I think this could be a problem that could, in the end, break us as a club because we continue to go to mediocre managers in the end. And and the thing is, is I don't think 
you know, you have different types of fans. You have casual fans. You have fans that sit there and study the game. You have fans that have been watching for forever. But there seems some be some some misnomer out there on a formation and positions and how all that works. And yes, we play a, a midfield with a six and two eights. But those two eights don't play the same position. They they don't they're not given the same responsibilities. They're not given the same freedoms. The right-sided eight in Frank's midfield is more like a 10 than an eight. The eight is Mason Mount going box to box, which is a traditional eight. The eight that Kai plays is more like a 10. What I like to say is a right attacking midfielder, not a center midfielder, right? Mount plays left left center midfielder. Kai plays right attacking mid. If that can give you some sort of uh, picture in your head, he's the more attacking eight. He's the one allowed to get forward and get into the box. Mounts the one that's supposed to be outside the box, taking shots, putting the ball back in, and falling back deep to help the six out when needed. So Kai is not playing a traditional eight role in that position. He is more like a ten. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that point. I think um, fans have just got to be a bit more knowledgeable and a bit less reactionary to the points. Um, but to move on to the final topic um, is the formation. Now, Jared has uh, topped onto this a little bit, but there's a lot of um, fan debate of switching between this four-two-three-one or the four-three-three. One minute, our fan base hate Frank for using the 4-2-3-1 we moved to the 4-3-3 as everyone wanted we played well in it for about 6 or 7 games now it's not doing too well and everyone wants to go back to this 4-2-3-1 so what I just want to ask from you guys first of all is what position what formation would you prefer to play and why starting with Marv well I'm not a fan of 4-2-3-1 it's too narrow and rigid and only really works if you've got an abundance of creative guys across the front three behind the striker. Um, I don't actually think our team currently suits it now that we've got people like Ziek who are good at kind of angling balls in behind and in, in into the six yard box kind of area which means we wouldn't use wide areas as much and we really I know we've had a trouble because we were stupid enough not to sign another winger but um um, but yeah, no, not for me. I, I like the 4 through 3 although there are problems with that too. I think we need to be flexible in our approach and be able to change it up where, where need be. One thing I loved about Conte is because he could go through a few different ones, um, whereas with Surrey, we stuck with pretty much the same thing the whole time. We went a little bit deeper uh, defensively towards the end of it. Um, I think that we've got to change it. I'm not a big fan of, oh, this system is going to make us win. Or so. I don't think... In some cases, it does work. But I think the problems that we have are much deeper than a formation. Yeah, I think I get your point there. I think um, we need a bit of fluidity between... But it doesn't mean strictly going from a 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1. It may just be tinkering that formation a little bit to suit, suit different things and have a different objective with the formation. But that's what I think we need to go by rather than changing... 50 different formations in a season. Um, 
Jesters, what do you think? Well, again, we've seen the four-two-three-one, and again, you're going to have to tell me which players you're going to have sit at, at the two sixes in the four-two-three-one. Uh, you got you're going to have one holding and one one that advances the ball, or uh, and uh, so you're going to have to tell me first who's going to play those positions because currently we don't have two number sixes that can play together. We've had we've played them all. We've played Jorginho and Kovacic. Works for a while until you press Jorginho and then it's done. We've played Kovacic and Conte. Remember Byron? How'd that work out for us? No, sorry. When you have no holding defensive midfielder and you play two players who can play in a six, guess what happens? Both of them evacuate and go press the ball and you have a big gap in the middle of your field in the middle of your midfield right in front of the center backs that was our problem last year when we gave up all those goals uh everyone's to blame our defense for that that was more out of our midfield than anything else um now does a 4-3-3 that we're playing correct that yes with a caveat you have to have a holding midfielder we don't have one So what system do you go to? 424 or 4222? We're playing wing backs high up the or not wing backs, but our backs high up the pitch, attacking aggressive. Play a 4222. Put Havertz and Werner up front and forwards. Put Ziesch and Pulisic at the cams, left attacking mid, right attacking mid. Sit Gilmore and put Conte beside him and run James and chill up, up the sides of the pitch for width. And then you have your middle intact. Uh, you could do a 4-2-4, which is kind of sort of what we played today when Tammy came on. It kind of looked like a 4-2-2 or a 4-2-4. Um, you could do that. But again, you're going to have to have a holder and somebody to go clean up the whole midfield, run the midfield. And that means a Gilmore and Conte partnership, period. We don't have anybody else that can do that. So um, the the problem being is you could play a flat flat 4-4-2. You could play a 4-4-2 diamond. But you have to find a system and stick with it the rest of the year so players know what they're supposed to be doing. And instead of thinking, they Instantly, no. It's just, oh, it's supposed to be this. It's muscle memory. Muscle memory. Right now, everybody's waiting at one second. Am I supposed to make this pass or am I supposed to do? No, we can't. If you do that, you've lost already. Yeah. That's that's my points on on systems. Find a system. Stick with it. 4231, 433, 4222, 4242, 4244. Find one. Stick with it. Get the players accustomed to playing together in that system and go. Yeah, I think I I completely agree with that. I think there needs to be a system, whether it's 4222. I think that would be good. But the problem is, once you get an injury to either James or Chilwell, I think that formation kind of goes out the water with the likes of Aspie not being able to give that width. And I don't trust Emerson on that left-hand side. But and then you got the 4-3-3. I don't think without a Rice you can 
play it to its best ability because you struggle with a DM. Do you want to play Billy Gilmore all season, which we've said about that already? I think there's a lot of issues that Lampard's got to juggle, and I think he's just got to find the best formation that he thinks and he wants to play. Stick with it. Try and get the best out of it, especially this season. Try and get us a FA Cup, hopefully, top four. And then next season we go. Then we go and try and do it for real. But we'll have to see. Um, it's been fantastic pod. Um, nice to discuss a win, as I said before. Um, so, Marv, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, my friend. It has been wonderful. And Jesters, it's always happy to have you on. Real opinions, no bullshit. Brilliant to have on. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, I look forward to this every week. Uh, it's the only sport I watch now, and I am a sports junkie. So this really fills a void in my life. So I do appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and, f- and thank you for coming on. I mean, it's, it's all about you guys. It's all about getting you guys on. Us, we're like a family, more than anything on this pod. It's like just having a discussion. Sometimes it's a bit of fi- rehab therapy after losses. But after, in victories like this, we can just enjoy ourselves, have a good debate and have a bit of fun. So thank you, you guys, for listening out there. Make sure you like, retweet if you're coming from Twitter. 